welcome to the Coog Center Podcast, and here's your host, to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems, Michael Preston. Unfortunately, not a solution on the school night, which is why I really hate those Thursday night games uh, that Wazoo plays. I'm also pretty positive um, that's the only Thursday night conference game the conference has all year, and they chose Pullman, Washington to do it with a very not full crowd. And I'm not that's not an indictment of crowd size on a Thursday night. I frankly, good for anybody who was able to go. I'm, I'm, that is just not a crowd size I'm going to rip on. Welcome to the Kook Center Hour. Early this week, I don't think anybody wanted to wait until Wednesday next week to talk about this game uh, as well. So I'm going to skip the line ahead uh, of Jeff and Craig. They'll be back uh, this next week here with Podcast versus Everyone. But with so much time between now and Wednesday, uh, and frankly, a lot of weekend time, I wanted to get uh, a show in your guys' feed so you can enjoy it. On the weekend, when you're taking advantage of hopefully some good weather um, to do some yard work um, for the first time in, I mean, like the leaves haven't been falling and the grass hasn't been growing, so you actually have an opportunity to do some yard work uh, this weekend. I want to talk a little bit uh, about Pac-12 officiating um, later on as well. Another not very glamorous night for it uh, in Pullman. Uh, And then our Dunderhead of the Week and Ask Michael Anything. At the beginning of the season, I think I said, um, you know, like if you went game by game prediction wise, I think at this point I had said, I'm fairly certain this team will be four and four at this juncture of the season. Um, And I think I said as well, like, you know, if that's the case, then great. I feel pretty good about that. So why don't I feel very good right now? Uh, probably because it's been almost a month since they won their last game. Um, and probably, frankly, you know, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but just like when I'm watching that game Thursday night, it just kind of felt like that comeback, that go-ahead touchdown, that go-ahead score. Just I don't, I don't know why. I just couldn't shake the feeling that it just wasn't going to happen. Um, and I think, you know, we'll get into this a little bit, but you're really seeing all the limitations um, of this offense right now. And I want to, we'll talk about why um, as well, but you're seeing a lot of that come bare right now, uh, eight games into the year. Uh, you're also seeing, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit, um, the injury bug bite this team pretty hard after, frankly, for a lot of years, they got very lucky um, in terms of not dealing with injuries to really key players for extended periods of time, uh, like Nakia Watson, like Renard Bell. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but but I guess what it is, it, it really at this point is, you know, it, it feels disappointing because I think we're so used to offense being the engine that drives this car. And that is just not the case. The defense, again, last night looked good to very good. Jordan Lee getting hurt and going out of the game did not help. Brennan Jackson getting a targeting penalty uh, 
also did not help. Thank God it happened with about 30 seconds left in the first half so he won't miss any time against Stanford. Um, So, again, they looked good to pretty good, maybe very good. But this offense is just... It 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 is it is really really baffling at this point, and I don't think there's anyone on that side of the football, players, coaches at all, that's immune from you know it it not being. This is a collective issue. I want to make that clear off the top. This is not just a. This is the players. That this is not just. This is the coaching. It's everything, right? And I've said before that I have a really hard time wanting to sit here and be overly critical about, you know, college kids. And especially, and I think I've said before, like with basketball team, if you get an offer from, you know, a Pac-12 institution when you don't have one, you're probably going to take it. And go back and look at the recruiting classes of the last three, four years of offensive linemen and the nosedive has just been precipitous. And that, you know, I, we knew before the season that this could be a liability. And it is it is really bearing the fruit of, this is an incredible liability right now. The quality of this offensive line is really causing a problem. And I think the largest problem it's causing is that Eric Morris is afraid to do anything other than quick screens, bubble tunnel screens, bubble routes, quick hitters. But the problem is, is that when you've been doing that to try to mask the offensive line for eight weeks, defenses at this point have that figured out. They kind of sort of know that's what's coming. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place of, do I want to try more downfield, but I'm not confident in my line's ability to block for that long, so I'm taking negative plays, so I just got to see if these bubble screens keep working. I just have to see if, you know, I, I think Colton Clark from the Spokesman Review had some stat that ba- basically a vast majority of Cam Ward's passes on Thursday night did not go further than four yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And what's killer is you see the arm Cam Ward has. The pass, the touchdown pass to Dejon Stribling. Another pass to set up the second touchdown. I, I think it was Donovan Nolly that caught it. Or no, it was Zion Nunnally. Really deep down the left side of the field. And he dropped it in a bucket. I mean, you, you see that arm talent, right? And right now, Eric Morris is trying to scheme around that. And I, I just think the problem is, is that the creative ideas have stopped at screens and you know again like I said just like trying to do these quick hitters and the the other thing and I you know Mike Leach was famous for saying this you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen and these teeny tiny mental mistakes okay take Dylan Payne now he's a third string running back so okay but on that last offensive drive last night on Ward's clap which was clearly not the go clap he leans forward and false starts or Robert Farrell catches on fourth and three he catches the ball a yard behind the line which is enough of an issue as it is you need to run to the line but instead of cutting inside towards the hash marks 
He runs backwards two yards in an attempt to make tacklers miss. On first, second, even third down, I can live with that. Okay, I, I can generally live with that if what you think you're going to do is make an athletic play to pick up yards. But on fourth down, you have one priority, and that is to get to the line to gain. It, it, it do, catch it and immediately turn and go. Don't try to run backwards so you can, if, because if you think if I go backwards, I'm going to pick up 10 yards. It doesn't matter. Get to the line to gain, live to play another down on that. Live to get another set of downs. And it's mental mistakes like that. It's not necessarily all on Robert Farrell. The coaching staff has to instill that kind of thing. You have got to instill in your players that that is what needs to happen on that down. And you need to understand situationally what goes on there? The defense giving up another long third down conversion that lets Utah score that final touchdown. They had plenty of opportunities to get off the field all night, and they did not take enough of an advantage of them. But what this really there's there's one play in particular that th- this just comes down to, and I don't know that it was asked what went through everybody's head, you know what happened, but it's that pooch kick. After the field goal in the fourth quarter. I I, I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand in what way that makes any sense. When you've actually got over, you know, it's not like we're talking about a buck 30 here. There's under five minutes to go to be sure, but like you don't need to do this. You're down four points. If you're going to do anything, if, if you want to onside it, onside it. If you want to squib it, squib it. But my preference there is to kick it away. You've got three timeouts. And you know Utah is probably going to play cons- call conservatively, at least on the first two plays. We didn't see them throw on third and fourth down on that drive. But you've got to know that that is what's going to happen. And that that pooch kick... It, I've seen this on... We, it's been discussed ad nauseum in the Kook Center Slack. I've seen it discussed on social media. And, and it just... Nothing makes sense there. Well, the coach has called it. Okay, that's really bad then. You need to have more sense of game management, clock management, everything else at that juncture than to tell your kicker to go out there and do that. Well, the kicker made the decision. Okay, then you need to be empowering him better to understand game situation and to understand what he's looking at to go, this is not a good choice right now. Or, in that situation, the coaching staff needs to make it very clear what the expectation is. Because... If that's there early in the game and they have that look earlier in the game that there's nobody in that space where that ball was kicked to, then fine. Do it then. But Utah was clearly waiting for it. Or they were waiting for something up near the line of scrimmage. 
if you call it the line of scrimmage on a kick, I don't, whatever. It, it, the mind reels at how that decision got made. And again, even if you want to say, we let the kicker make the choice, I really don't think that's a great idea. <laughs> Especially when, and again, this has nothing, I can't remember the, the, <laughs> the kicker's name who does, he only does kickoffs though. Gene, Dean Janikowski kicks field goals. If this is all that young man does, you cannot empower him that much to make such a game-changing decision. And I am... It, 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 it's a very first-time head coach and his staff type of decision. Okay? And eight games into this season... We've 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 seen this a few times. Now I'm not like this is not Jake Dickert must go. This is not that, but this is growing pains, especially with a team that it is very clear was under recruited on offense for a number of years, and you are dealing with a pretty large talent gap on that side of the football right now, and you have <clears throat> excuse me. You, you, you have a number of injuries. Nakia Watson, Jalen Jenkins, God forbid he's out for an extended period, and Dylan Payne is your number one option back there. I'm sure Dylan Payne's a very nice young man, but he should not be a running back number one, not yet anyway. Renard Bell is still hurt. And now Jordan Lee on the other side of the football. I mean, that limp did not look excellent. I'm certainly no doctor, but I wouldn't expect him to be back anytime soon. This game against Stanford, all that in mind, this, this feels like that inflection point. You surely went through your toughest part of the season these last few games. I don't think anybody expected Wazoo to make it through October unscathed. Okay, You had USC in LA, a pretty decent Oregon State team, and then Utah, a very good team, at home on Thursday in front of a light crowd. Okay? I'm not saying you should have gone through October unscathed, but everybody knew this part of the schedule, the last month, the month of November, was your chance to make some hay. And it's why losing that game against Oregon really hurts. It's why not being able to come back in this one on Thursday hurts, because now your margin for error is very thin. You've got three very beatable teams in front of you, and I know Stanford's playing better football lately, but they are still not a very good football team. And then you've got the Apple Cup at home on a Saturday, and you I don't even know what to make of UW. I mean, they're 6-2, and two, but beating Michigan State, who's not very good, and just some harebrained losses as well, okay? I don't know what to make of them. They had trouble with Cal. Again, no idea what to make of them. But we're going to find out a lot about this coaching staff, a lot about these players in the next four games. Because, like I said at the beginning, I am disappointed with 4-4, four and four, and, I, and I, I think the reason why is... The rock has just kind of rolled downhill with how badly and how and and that this has gotten progress. It's gotten progressively more frustrating to watch these football games because Wazoo had a chance to beat the number fourteen team in the nation yesterday, and they just could not get out of their own way. And I think that's a pretty good summation of what's been happening in these losses. If you can't get out of your own way, that's that's on everybody. And again, this is not. Coaches, players, anybody, not one person to blame. This is everyone. 
I know Jake Dickert's a very positive guy, and I know he wants to fix things. And I think he has the ability to do it. And his coaching staff is still very, very new, and I have a hard time remembering that too. But they've got a couple extra days to do it. And frankly, against Stanford, you should do it. Still not a very good football team, and they're going to be on a short week. You get two extra days. Two extra days for Eric Morris to figure something out. Two extra days for this defensive line to keep eating, to keep getting into the backfield, to figure out they've slowed down a little bit as the year has gone on. Okay? And two extra days to never, ever do that pooch kick again. Ever. Never want to see it again. Let's talk about Pac-12 officiating next. I know. I know. I know. But we're going to talk about it next on the Cook Center Hour. We're back on the Coog Center Hour. And I, this, I mean, look, this is a thing that, you know, we have talked about <clears throat> here and Jeff and Craig have talked about and John Wilner and John Canzano and literally anybody in the Pac-12 atmosphere, Seattle sports media, Portland sports media, LA sports media, whatever, uh, has talked about ad nauseum. Uh, for years and it just doesn't ever seem to be a problem that's going to go away and that is the officiating in this conference um on full display again on Thursday night Francisco Villar who was the head referee in Washington State's game against USC so it kind of seems a little odd that in two of three games you would get the same head official but whatever scheduling issues aside there um what kills me is that it just it takes not not only does incompetent officiating have the potential to affect the outcome of the game and this I mean this is even something I didn't go over in that first segment where there's a big difference if you don't call that targeting penalty on Brennan Jackson um there's a big difference between 17-17 and 21-17 in the fourth quarter you play the game differently you act differently all that other good jazz but let's go back to Jackson's targeting penalty as the rule is written, and this is an entirely separate discussion about targeting that I, I don't even want to open this can of worms. But as the rule is written, it's probably not a bad call. It, it's certainly not among the worst I've ever seen. Jackson did hit the ball carrier with the crown of his helmet in his mask. So that's, I mean, that's pretty, That I mean, to me anyway... As the rule is written, dumb or not dumb, and again, that's an entirely separate discussion for an entirely another time, it's probably not that bad. What is bad is that as the replay official and as the official... So A, first of all, the officials on the field didn't catch it. Okay? Then you had the play clock run down. Jake Dickert called a timeout um, to try and ice Utah's kicker with two seconds left in the half. And then we almost got the ball snapped again before the replay official buzzed down and said, we need to take a look at this. That's about, it was about three to four real-time minutes between the hit occurring and the replay official buzzing down to take a look. If it takes you that long to look at something and decide... I need to go and review this. I need to go take another look at this. 
then you obviously weren't that concerned about it in the first place. And I don't think there's a mechanism where you can say, well, if an opposing coach calls a timeout, then at that point, you know, if the play clock runs out or runs down under five seconds, then you don't get to buzz down anymore. Because the rule is if the, if the next play goes on, you don't get to go backwards, generally speaking. I think we actually have seen that before where the officials have gone backwards on that. So if Jake Dickert hadn't called that timeout, yeah, sure, probably. But I also understand his wanting to use a timeout there. Utah's kicker had already missed, so why not do it? But if it takes that long to do it, then was it that truly egregious to you in the first place to need to do it? And the Utah player that got kicked out, that was not the first time he had targeted another player. You had an expedited review of a spot. You had missed spots. You had bad spots. Again, you had misholding calls. You had all kinds of problems. And what this leads to, what it perpetuates, is an unwatchable product. Now again, for another day, we can talk about the quality of Pac-12 football over the last 5, 10, 15 years, or whatever you want to, whatever timeline you want to do. Okay? But the one thing that can't take away from the viewing quality of your product is your officiating. And time and time and time and game and game and game again it keeps on happening these officials make the game so unwatchable and they make it an absolute slog to go through and deal with because that three to four minute span between plays that when you then buzz down for targeting then begets a two to three minute review, which then begets the kick out, which then begets that we need to reset things. So you go eight to nine minutes between plays. A half that was literally humming along for an hour and 10 minutes, which is a beautiful amount of time for a half of football. Now, all of a sudden, just it's like yanking the e-brake and just grind straight to a halt. We saw more bad calls when Villar's crew was in charge of Wazoo and USC. And it's so many bad calls over the years. I mean, goodness, more than I can count. The PI against Oregon. McCaffrey was McCaffrey fumbled. The mistargeting on Minshew. And I mean, those, those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Because I'm sure there have been other more minor ones. And this is the thing. Every, if, if, you have, if you have every single school in the conference believing there is some officiating conspiracy out there against them. And I have seen plenty of chatter on social media about how the referees always have it out for Team X. Whether it's UW, whether it's OSU, whether it's Utah... Whether it's SC, SC fans think the Pactual doesn't do anything to help them, but that's, an, again, third time in the segment, an entirely separate show. If you have all of your teams and your fan bases thinking this, then the problem is not that, oh, well, you know, what I used to say as a soccer referee was that if both teams were pissed off at me, then I was probably calling it even. And I think generally for me, that was true. 
But if you have every single team in the conference convinced that the referees are so biased against you that they are willing enough to say it loudly, that probably speaks to really, truly incompetent officiating. And make no mistake about it, this is an extraordinarily hard job to do well. And I mean like a A minus job that if I don't know your name, I don't look and go, wow, that was really bad at any point in the game. And it is rare. But all I'm really asking for here is like B, B minus work. That's literally all I'm asking. I can accept a bad call or two or three in a game. And I'm saying that now, don't ask me in the moment. I can accept that as long as the outcome is not that A, it directly affects the outcome of a game or has the potential to do so, and B, it doesn't make the game unwatchable. You and I and everyone listening to this podcast watch that game because we have an interest in Washington State football. Utah fans watched it because they have an interesting an interest in Utah Utes football. If you were just someone on a Thursday night sitting down to dinner, cracked open a beer and said, you know what, I want to watch a little Thursday night college football. I don't need to watch Tom Brady play a season he really shouldn't have played. Okay? You just went, why am I bothering? Because the officiating, again, made the product on the field unwatchable. And when you are in the middle, literally in the middle of media rights negotiations. This is not an ideal time to make the product you put on television as difficult to please the viewer as possible. I don't know, and and again, I rant on this show so often about things and I come to the conclusion of I don't know what the answer is. Because the Pac-12 has tried everything. And again, it's not like all these other conferences have like the most competent officiating. You see all the time on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, during the college football season, teams and conferences fight over whose conference officials are the worst. Okay, This is not unique to the Pac-12. It's not unique to the ACC. It's not unique to the NFL even. This is a really hard sport to officiate and officiate properly. Okay? There are so many moving parts. There are so many officials out there with different styles and different levels of what is and is not a penalty to them. Okay? But uh, the biggest problem is the lack of accountability. And I know that the flip side of this is making referees accountable and suspending or even letting them go. You have a national shortage of officials right now. Trust me. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I was a soccer official. There's a reason why I don't do it anymore. And it's because of people like this, like me, doing talking like this. Now, granted, I was getting yelled at by a lot of parents who needed to let out their work stress on me. Um, but, okay, there's no accountability from anybody. I can maybe remember once or twice... An officiating crew was suspended for a week because of some bad call and the Pac-12 recognized enough. Now, I'm not remembering some specific instances here, but again, this is just, to my memory, I can only remember a time or two that 
an officiating crew has faced honest-to-God consequences as a result of their incompetence. This cannot keep going on. And I say cannot, knowing full well that it will keep going on. And I guess that that's why I'm... I'm so upset. It's just been years and years and years of this. And if the Pac-12 really cared about it, if they really cared, they'd be doing more than they are. But they don't. And I'm I'm almost wondering if it's a, if it's a feature of Pac-12 After Dark that Not only do you not know what the teams are going to do, you have no idea what our officials are going to do. Because the other thing this does is, I mean, what's either team supposed to do? You know, if you're playing baseball, you can kind of get a feel for ball strikes and, okay, I don't like it. But if it's being called both ways, then okay. And as long as it's consistent, yeah, again, I don't like it, but fine. Okay. But if it's not consistent, it's not being called both ways. It gets called weirdly. I don't know. I'm, I'm... we're all belaboring the point right now. Like, like, how much more can we all discuss this and try to get the Pac-12 to fix this? Because we can't. How much can the schools lean on them to do? I'm sure they do, but I just like, what more is there to be done at this point? Other than me just complaining and you kind of nodding your head along, as I'm sure you are. That's really it. But it's got to get, if you want this product to be better and more watchable, it's just, that that is so easily controllable. And you've got to do something about it sooner rather than later. Please. So listen to the fight song, Dunderhead of the Week, Ask Michael Anything, when we come back on Thunderhead of the week. Uh, in my new job, I'm lucky enough to be working in a place that actually, if you're in the office, uh, they generously either pay for your lunch to be delivered or they give you like a $15 prepaid debit card on like your Google or Apple Pay to go out and use. And they pay, you know, for the first 15 bucks or whatever you want to get. And then you just cover after that. I am very, very lucky to have that. And this is not related to that like directly. So the Dunderhead of the Week is me, because on Wednesday, uh, in my haste and anger of dealing with the traffic in downtown, thanks to the Vice President's visit, and by the way, from now on, 
All VP presidential visits in Bellevue, please. Or at least not at the Fairmont downtown, a block from my office. Okay, so there's that. Um, I had ordered lunch Tuesday evening, because you can order ahead in the app, and I, ooh, that looks good, I ordered something. And then on Wednesday, in my haze of crappiness that was my morning, I forgot that I did. And so walked a block away to a restaurant to try to use my prepaid card, and it kept being declined, declined, declined. And I didn't see the emails I was getting sent that said, hey, you boob, you already ordered something. So then I paid out of my own pocket, and about an hour later, my lunch got delivered. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyway, we've all, we all had something like that happen where you like forget something like really critical like that, or like you forget that you bought yourself lunch and then you make lunch. And then like, I've done that before too. I really just shouldn't be trusted to think while hungry. I really shouldn't be. Ask Michael anything time. Just like, what, what was I doing? What was I doing? And I left my lunch in the fridge Wednesday thinking I'd go back to get it the next day, but then I ended up having to stay home uh, with some scheduling things the next few days, and they clean the fridges out on Friday, so I can't even have my lunch on Monday when I go in there. And it would have kept, too. It was like a really nice salad and whatever. Shut up. I'm trying to be healthy. Ask Michael anything. At human underscore 005, and that's a bunch of emojis, so I don't even know. Uh, no snake in the shoe? I think that's what it is. Four and four at the same time last season, we finished seven and five. I think we can go eight and four or seven and... I think we can go eight and four, seven and five. How about you? I don't think seven and five is outside the realm of possibility. They're going to have to play really well three weeks in a row. Because I think... You know, like I said earlier, I don't know what to make of UW. I, I have no earthly clue. Um, seven and five is out there. I just, I'm probably more likely six and six. It just seems like this team is going to have trouble, you know, <clears throat> four in a row or three in a row, more likely... Um, to get seven, but six gets you to a bowl game, and I've, I've, I've said for a long time that should just be the goal every season, so I guess I'm, I don't, you know, I don't know why I'm mad. Uh, at Big T Parker, Jewish space laser technician, what network broadcast the Utah WSU game last evening? FS1, that's simple. I guess I did say ask me anything. Uh, at Ether Dash, Coach Dickard era, Cougs versus everybody, Leach was less than 25% wins his first two seasons on a scale of one to ten. How much are fans overreacting on Dickard's first full season. Well, he hasn't even had a first full season yet, right? I also understand, you know, again, last night, you're in the moment and a lot of kind of not great coaching decisions in that game. It kind of felt like Utah was ready to play um, and that went off a bye and we definitely weren't um, at times. At Kylan, Kylan Robinson, Matt Loveless, who is a uh, Murrow College professor, filled in for Glenn Johnson on the PA last night. How much would you pay for the opportunity to fill that seat for a game? Fun fact, Kylan, I have done it. I did it 13 years ago, in fact, on Dad's weekend when I was still a student. So that's, it was a really big honor for me um, to get to do that. And I kept saying Shane Moline's name wrong. I kept calling him Shone Moline. I will never forget a UCLA beat writer yelling at me that I was mispronouncing it. But I was also 21 years old. So, the, so you know what, dude? Just shut up, okay? I was young and scared, and I totally did not throw up out of nervousness before. At WSU Brady 27 Brady... Thursday games, why? <laughs> no idea, I have no idea. 
especially in Pullman. I don't get it. Uh, at Connor John Fort, Connor John Fort, best headed out of town breakfast after football. Ooh, we had a really good one at Roost on our way out earlier this year. They make a really good breakfast sandwich. Um, I had a good bagel as well. They had a good scones in there as well. Um, that was really good. We used to stop at Daily Grind. I know that's not an option anymore. So I go with Roost. Like if you're looking to get out of town quick and you don't want to go to like McDonald's or something, something a little bit better, Roost is really good. Really, really good. They're not even paying me to say that. Uh, at Brendan Potts, new season, same goal. Uh, what's the one thing you're watching for both men's and women's basketball programs this season? Um, I think just to, you know, again, get back to the postseason. I think that's certainly a fine expectation for the women's team, bringing back plenty of talent. And for the men, I don't think it's... I, it, it, certainly the NIT should be the minimum this year. I know without Jackson and Rice for however long, um, most likely the rest of the season, um, it's a bit of a taller task, but I don't think it should be... You know, I, I think it should still be a pretty reasonable expectation to say they both go to the postseason, um, whatever that may be. What a Thursday. We hope you're having a wonderful weekend and enjoyed this rare weekend edition of the Coop Center Hour. We'll talk to you guys later.